Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Let me um, read two passages um, just to begin with. The first one is not on the screen, but this is from Matthew 16. It says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, a piece of rock. And on this rock, the bedrock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then if you'd put the, the next passage up, this is, the, uh, this is Ephesians 4, uh, 2, sorry, verses 4 to 10 from the New Living Translation. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. I don't know why that's in brackets. Seems a pretty big statement, doesn't it? (laughs) For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And just on the next slide, I've got that last verse from the Amplified Bible. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a real privilege to share three times this month here, um, today and then again on the 22nd and the 29th. So next Sunday is a, is, a, is a part of our worship weekend. But the other three Sundays of the month to share with everybody And to say something about our vision and our dreams and our goals for the year ahead. And how we will accomplish all the good things, the good life that God has prearranged for us. In September 1984, anybody alive then? (laughs) Anybody not alive then? Yeah, you just have to look over there. In September 1984, during an an event called Mission England, when Dr. Billy Graham came to preach in in some of the largest stadiums in the country, I was saved and went on to be baptised 
and filled with the Holy Spirit. And after years of knowing about Jesus, I began to know him and love him. After years of owning a Bible, I began to love his word. And especially as soon as the word was illuminated by the Spirit, and I read about the New Testament church, I loved the church. After years of attending church services, I realized I was part of the church that Jesus was building and that he intended it to be powerful and dynamic and impacting and as world-changing as the church has ever been. And I realized that because I'd given my life to Jesus, I was also now given to the church because the church is his body. I began to sense the call of God. I met a girl even more passionate than me. Didn't plan to cry at the start of the year, but there you go. (laughs) we We began discovering exciting new things. We joined a fantastic church in Leicester. We met Brynn Jones and Kerry Jones. We threw ourselves into serving Jesus as best we could. We got stuck into our jobs. I was an accountant, Deborah was a teacher. We loved our jobs. We took every opportunity to be trained and stretched and used in the things of God. In 1994, a church called Rock of Life was planted essentially out of our living room. It grew really quickly. I think we added about 20, 30 people a year for the first few years. Six years later, we joined up with a fantastic church in Hinckley called Covenant Life Church. And together we formed Living Rock Church. And God has been so good to us all. We've known his grace, his favor, his blessing. God gave us a vision that we should position ourselves from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth. God added to us, raised up ministry, widened our boundaries. He's taken us overseas. He's expanded our horizons. We've planted out. We've established here an apostolic base. And I'm so grateful for everything. Along the way, we've served alongside some amazing inspirational people. Bryn Jones, I've mentioned, Brian Shutt, Ted and Esther Kent, Ron Eagle, Tony Ling, Steve Peake, all of whom, I believe, are still cheering us on. And I just want to start the year by saying thank you to the Lord. The boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Over those years, come to understand more about God's plan and purpose, things I had no idea about at the beginning, that he's establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, as we've just been singing, that he's restoring all things and bringing everything together under Christ the head, that he's making known his wisdom to the powers and authorities in the heavenly realms, that he's preparing to send Jesus at the end of this age. You hear that? He's preparing to send Jesus at the end of this age. And I saw that central to all this 
is his church. Because we are advancing his kingdom. Because we are being restored. Because we are the display of his wisdom. And because we are here to prepare the way for the return of Jesus Christ. And as we read in those, as we, as we read from Ephesians 2.10 there, we are his masterpiece. His work of art. I wish I'd never seen that translation before. We're his work of art. And so for me, and I might say, can I get an amen as I say this? For me, being part of his church is far more than attending on a Sunday. It is to be part of the whole plan of God. It is to be caught up in the greatest story ever told. It is the purpose for which I am alive. It is the subject of all my vision and dreams and goals and my daydreaming and my thinking and wherever my mind is is wandering. It's always about the church. Usually this bit of it. And it's at the heart of being here for such a time as this. Who knows but that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this and for this very occasion. Many of us in this room have started many new years together since those early days. And every time they're an opportunity to take stock, to reset our hopes, our aspirations, to clarify our vision. And this is an easy thing to say, and I don't say it lightly, but this new year, it feels more than ever that there's a weight, there's a significance At a time like this, a time like no other time, with all that we know about, pandemic, everything's a crisis. The struggle with identities, the war on our doorstep, and for us, unprecedented opportunity to fulfill the vision, the dreams, the goals, because this is a day for good news. So if I could just take stock for a moment and just reflect and say, you know, so much effort of the last two or three years has gone into staying connected, to navigating the changes, to meeting needs as best as we've been able, to um, come through the last couple of years thriving, not just surviving. And now, as, as we were reflecting elders and, and Ephesians gifts, we met together on Friday. This is the first new year in a few where we've, where we've come back and we're unhindered. And, and thank God for, look around the room and what a difference a year makes. Isn't this fantastic? And um, we've, we're back unrestricted. We, we, there are many new faces amongst us. Many new families. Many new ways of sharing the word. Many new ways of keeping people updated. Our media team have gone, taken us through quantum shifts. And I just want to say, I love what God is doing amongst us. Do you love what God is doing amongst us? Say, I love what God is doing amongst us. I love what God is doing amongst us. Amen. 
But I also feel some particular burdens and, and cares and concerns um, at this time. And so I just want to sort of take stock and, and, and mention those things. And they are as follows. Number one, that from today, from today, we shake off any pandemic hangover. Our task over the last few years is to make things as easy as possible for people to stay connected. You can watch online. You can catch up later. You can come if you, you can. Come if you can. But I really believe now we must avoid any consumerism, any half-heartedness, any creeping laziness even. Now we can gather. We must gather. We're gathered. I'm speaking to the converted, praise God. Now that we can gather, we should gather as often as we can. Because fellowship and worship and prayer and ministry and being in his presence together is vital. And we must not allow the thief to rob us of anything. I feel a concern that we must stay sharp. As we grow larger, as we become more diverse, as we embrace changes, we must lose none of our prophetic edge regarding our nature and our mission, who we are and why we're here. And I really want everybody, everybody, every, everybody who comes to come into our vision, our values, our story. Just seeing some new faces. I want you to come into everything we're all about. I want us to be able to equip and empower everyone to fulfill your unique callings, giftings, burdens, that we develop all types of ministry, that we develop leaders for our work at home, and that we're able to multiply and reproduce here and elsewhere. And the last thing I want to say in terms of burdens I feel right now is that we must be ready for much, much more new birth. I thank God for every person who's been born again and added to us recently. I, I thank God, I really thank God for everybody who's relocated and found us and got connected. I, I love that. But I don't want to forget that the biblical norm is that people were saved and added every day. And I want us to lift our vision and our sights and prepare ourselves that that dream becomes our reality. To summarize those little concerns, we must now grow really well. Amen? Everybody happy? Good. In light of all of that, I, I, I just feel the best way we can start this new year together is to be reminded of who we are. And so over these three weeks, I want to take three simple statements that encapsulate three vital hallmarks of our nature and our mission. And I want us to be able to declare, this is us. Really simple things. I'll put them up in a moment. Really simple things. 
that must define us. That will determine whether or not we outwork the good things, live the good life that he's prearranged for us. There are three things, there are six little words, often used, often claimed, that have numerous implications that I want us to unpack. You'll either be surprised, wowed, or disappointed when you see them. Here they are. Surprised, wowed, disappointed? How simple it is? We must be spirit-filled. We must be Bible-believing. Oh, my. And we must be kingdom-advancing. And I believe these three hallmarks, I'm going to take one a week for these three weeks, will be the key to everything. Always have been. It's nothing unique. The key to everything, that we're spirit-filled, that we're Bible-believing, that we're kingdom-advancing. So over the three weeks, I want to unpack each of those, consider what it means for us in our generation, in light of the challenges, in light of the opportunities, where we need to grow, and we can humbly say, Lord, we want more of this. But I hope by the end of the month, we can all say, concerning these things, this is us. For many people in the room, these are simply a reminder of the foundations upon which this house is being built. I want to say for the post-1984 crowd, and those of you that snuck in there, For our youth, these things will really help you know who you are, stand tall, stand proud, stand unashamed because of convictions you hold. If you're new-ish here and starting to feel at home, it's vital you know where we stand. And I really believe that for some people, hearing these things over these three weeks, and if you're serious about this being home, you need to be here on all of these three Sundays. It'll be the best news you've heard in years. And for all of us to be able to put down our stakes and our markers and say, at such a time of this as this, this is us. Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, kingdom-advancing. Can I get an amen? amen? Good. I want to start with what it means to be filled with the Spirit. There's a verse there, there you are, in Ephesians 5.18. We'll come back to this. Be filled with the Spirit. And we must start here because this is where it all starts. Adam was just dust till God breathed into him. That army of dry bones was utterly useless until the prophet prophesied breath into them. Jesus himself did not begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit had come down upon him after he was baptized in water. And the church, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 1, this masterpiece This church was 
commanded by Jesus to wait until they had received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Look at this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To be filled with his Spirit is of first importance. You know, the early church, those ordinary men and women who, who it says in Acts 17, which is about 20 years after Pentecost, had turned the world upside down. Do you know they didn't have Bibles like we do? They didn't even have all the epistles like we do. They had some of them, and they had the Old Testament scriptures. But they had the Spirit. They had the Spirit. Jesus had poured his Spirit out upon them. Jesus is building his church. Jesus knows exactly what's needed. And hence his final, greatest, ultimate act was to pour out his Spirit upon his followers. Acts 2 and Acts 10, Jews and Gentiles. He's given us, and if you'd just like to turn to John 14, I'm not going to read these, but John 14, 15 and 16 is Jesus starting to describe the work of the Spirit amongst us. We'll refer to some of these in just a moment. He's given us a helper. He's given us a counselor. He's given us a friend. I love how the message translation takes that word counselor, parakletos, and just calls him the friend. Capital F, your friend. Holy Spirit is our friend. Come to help us, come to counsel, come to be our advocate. And just as the Spirit came upon Jesus to direct and empower his ministry, so now Jesus is sending his Spirit to come upon us to direct and empower us as we continue in his ministry. Holy Spirit is a person. He is not it. He's a person. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. Holy Spirit is a person. And this person wants to come and live with us, abide with us, remain in us, and he wants us to know him as a person. It's personal. And so for us, this is us, being baptized in with the Holy Spirit is fundamental, is foundational. Acts 2.38, what shall we do? Repent, be baptized, you'll receive the Spirit. This is us. It's part and parcel of being saved. It being the baptism in the Spirit. He's part and parcel of being saved. In our water baptism, God cuts off the past. And when we're filled and baptized with the Spirit, God opens up the future. This is essential. This is us. This is Pentecost for us. And this church exists to be nothing less 
that as Ephesians 2.22 says, the dwelling place of the Spirit. A house of the Spirit. Jesus wants his church filled, or if I could use a better word, saturated with his Spirit. It's a better word because saturated means to be drenched, to be soaked, to be immersed, to be impregnated with his Spirit. His Spirit so filling us that we're pregnant with possibility, with power, with potential. Filled, saturated with his Spirit. And so he instructs us, he commands us, be filled with the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we come really thirsty, really hungry. If anybody is thirsty, Jesus says, come to me and drink. Out of your innermost being will flow streams of living water. By this, he meant the Spirit, it says in John 7, end of John chapter 7. So we come thirsty, we come to drink deeply, we let a new language, the gift of tongues, we let, we let a new language come forth, we don't resist him. And then we stay full, because that's actually what that verse means, be continuously filled. We stay full by keeping short accounts, putting things right quickly, not quenching the spirit. Not resisting him, but, but loving him, desiring him, desiring intimacy with him, talking with him, listening to him, asking him to help us grow in our relationship with him. And I'll say more about some of those things in just a moment. But I really believe as we start this year, of course I do, it's only as we're filled with his spirit that our vision, our dreams, our goals start to become reality. We, many of us know this verse, that it's not by might. It's not by power. Russell's not here this morning. He'd love this one. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4, verse 6. It's all by his spirit. Hallelujah. The spirit and the Bible are not in competition. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. His chosen weapon. Yes. Yep. Just for you, Cindy. <laughs> so let me say something now um, about the work of the Spirit, about the ministry of the Spirit. I'm going to describe ten things he does that will make all the difference for you for me, for us, in the year ahead. I want to describe how he helps us, why we need him so much, and I hope you'll get really excited, not just Cindy, <laughs> really excited, and that as we go through, you, you at least say this on the inside, Amen. or even better, on the outside, this is us, this is us. This is us we're talking about. Yes. So the first thing is this. Hallelujah. You know, I, we, could take, we could do a 10-week series on these. So th this is condensed. Um, I warned Lisa to be out with the kids for a couple of hours today. <laughs> <coughs> Do 
Number one, he leads us into truth. In John 14 and 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, he describes him as the spirit of truth. Chapter 14, verse 17. Chapter 15, verse 26. He says, he will teach you all things. And he says, he will remind you of my words. Isn't this wonderful? The spirit and Jesus working together. The spirit there to remind us of what Jesus has said. To lead us into all the truth. It says in John 16, he will guide us into all the truth. Paul tells us in in Thessalonians that the Holy Spirit brings conviction, brings assurance about the word we hear. Spirit and word are working together. And he leads us into all the truth because it's his word. He's the author. And you've got the author on board to help you understand it, to lead you into all the truth. I think for me this was one of the most noticeable, profound ministries of the Spirit after I was baptized with the Spirit, that the Word came alive. He led me into truth. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 Corinthians 2, verse um, 10. Now God has revealed them to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the concerns of a man except the Spirit of the man that's in him? In the same way, No one knows the concerns of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all the truth. And it's so vital in a day when the Bible is being neglected or abandoned or sidelined or challenged or contested, and we'll say much more about this in a couple of weeks, that we let the Holy Spirit lead us into truth. He will give you the passion you need to read this word this year. And I just want to say, we cannot come into any relationship or any revelation with the Word without the Spirit. He leads us into truth. Secondly, He gives the gifts we need. 1 Corinthians 12, list of what we call the charismatic gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. It, It says He manifests Himself, He makes Himself known by giving us these gifts. And Paul lists Nine gifts. Nine ways the Spirit intervenes to help us in life and mission. Nine ways He reveals Himself. These are a variety of power tools that change everything and help us get the work done. And it's far more than prophecy. And it's far more than Sundays. Although both those things are vital. He has a range of power tools And for us, all these things are necessary and available today. This is us. This is a stake in the ground. We believe in these things. Rich Jones tells a great story on on the rock solid day of being out in the garden struggling with some DIY. I'm just saying this because he's watching at home at the moment, I think. He's had a challenging week. Hi, Rich. 
tells a story of being out in the garden trying to make something with, a, with some handheld tools and Sarah phoning her granddad and coming around with some great big electric device and just bzzz, everything works so quickly. Jesus, Richard, Jesus uses this. Richard uses this as an example of the way the Holy Spirit comes to help us. Things that seem so complex and complicated, he comes in with a word. Suddenly everything opens up. One of those gifts, the gifts of tongues, has been terribly abused and neglected and spoken against over the years. The gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, is a wonderful, beautiful, precious gift. And his way of enabling us to come into the realms of the Spirit, his way of enabling us to pray really effectively without having to think it through first in our own language. We pray with the Spirit, not with our minds when we pray in the Spirit. And is vital in helping us, will be vital in helping us in 2023. I want to encourage you to speak in tongues more than ever in 2023. Thirdly, he ignites our gatherings. Can I get an amen? amen? When we come to worship in spirit and truth, he's present. He's ready to orchestrate, to conduct everything. He loves our gatherings. And he never misses. And he wants to ignite them with his life and his liberty. I love it that when the Holy Spirit is amongst us, anything is possible. All the limits are off. Nothing is impossible when he's with us. And, and, and when, he's, when he's amongst us and moving amongst us, it's powerful. And it's peaceful. Even if it's unpredictable. Power and peace that we'd know those things amongst us this year. That we'd approach every gathering that way. That we'd come prepared, ready to engage fully with what he's doing. That we don't quench him by coming with our own prejudices about the way we like things done. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant how I want things done. It's, it's how he wants things done amongst us. Years ago, I, God gave me this little phrase that his living water might not be your cup of tea. Tough! It's his living water. He doesn't care whether it's your cup of tea. It's what we need from him in any given moment. We gathered on Friday night, elders and ministers together. And we read the story in Ezekiel 47 of the river. That starts off as a trickle. And the man is led through the river, and many of you will know the story. It starts off, I think, from a trickle. It becomes, first of all, ankle deep. I'm not sure of all the stages. There's three or four stages as this, as this man is led into deeper and deeper waters until eventually it was too deep to walk in and it would be deep enough to swim in. We just felt amongst ourselves a real stirring encouragement from the Lord that this year is going to be a year for much movement in the Spirit. Just giving you forewarning. Well, it's not a warning, it's an encouragement. The warning is come ready. Come ready to swim. Bring your, bring your cosy. Just don't put it on in front of us. He can disrupt things. He can take the lid off. We must just stand back and let him have his way amongst us.
Fourthly, he anoints the body. We were baptized by one spirit, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Or is it verse 3? We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, verse 13. The Holy Spirit forms us into a body and gives each part its own special abilities so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And you know one of the simplest ways to fulfill all the good things he has for us this year is to let the body be the body. That has really big implications and shapes how we do things here in this house. We believe some parts of the body are given and anointed as ministries of Christ to equip us and build us up and that we can't come to maturity without them. Indispensable, indisputable, this is us. We believe some parts of the body serve as elders and deacons. We believe every part of the body has a part to play. And everyone should therefore serve and volunteer and step up. Everyone should be in a life group, on a team, in mission. This is us. We see no clergy laity divide. What does that even mean? We see no professionals and amateurs. It's not for the elders and the staff to make it all happen. It's teamwork. It's partnership. If you're unsure how to step up, we can help you. If you're unwilling, this might not be your home. We're a family. Everybody gets stuck in. There's a place for everybody. We want to help you in that. Everybody has gifts and abilities to put to use. It's utterly liberating. And I pray that 2023 for all of us will be a year of great release. Amen. Amen. Next thing, he keeps us clean. He keeps us clean. John 16 says he convicts us of sin. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that he can be grieved. And believe you me, if you're sensitive, he'll tell you when he's grieved. He'll tell you when he feels quenched or stifled. He'll prick our consciences. He'll disturb our peace. He'll make us uncomfortable until we put it right. And will always show us how to do that. I remember many years ago, I was, I'd spent most of a Saturday preparing to speak on the Sunday morning. And I had a, such a tough time and nothing was flowing and I couldn't hear God. I actually wondered, wondered what was going on. But, but deep down I knew there was a nag in me. I needed to call somebody and put something right. I kept putting it off, putting it off, praying that he'd speak to me. Nothing was working. Eventually I got the message. I picked up the phone, felt a bit nervous, felt a bit embarrassed I honestly can't even remember who it was now. That's good, isn't it? God washes these things away. But as soon as I'd had that little conversation, apologized, asked forgiveness, I just started to hear his voice again. Amazing, isn't it? He'll always help us put things right. He'll always want to keep us clean because he wants to keep us in the blessing that he has for us. He'll keep us passionate. 
Turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. This is part of the same point. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Therefore I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, of love, and sound judgment, or yours might say self-discipline. He will want you to keep ablaze the gift of God that's in you, and he will help you do that. So he wants us to stay passionate like Deborah, the girl I met. But, but that, it was Deborah, by the way, I was talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm so told off when I get home. <laughs> he solves problems. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He fixes things. He gives special knowledge and wisdom. He shows you the keys to breakthrough. He short circuits things. He cuts to the chase. He helps us save time. If we'd only just ask him, have any of you ever known the Holy Spirit helping you in the most practical of ways? Yeah? You've lost the keys. There's nowhere to park. Or whatever it is, you've forgotten something. Why did I go into that room? Okay, I'm guessing that's not the 1984 crowd. <laughs> there was a time a few years ago where I think it was Richard, Chris and I as the elders in the church and we faced a major financial challenge. Um, money that was, uh, money that had been loaned to the church when we, when we bought this building, which was on this sort of one day, one day it will be repayable. And suddenly the one day arrived and we weren't prepared. And the Holy Spirit gave us wisdom, what we needed to do. We sat around my little table in the office upstairs. We prayed together. We thanked God for the wisdom he'd shown us. We put some things right and you know what? Within months, all the money came in that we needed. Holy Spirit just helped us solve a problem. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. He's so wonderful, isn't he? He works miracles. Because Jesus has ascended and poured out his spirit, he said, you'll do even greater works than I did. Nothing is off limits. Rachel, in your ministry in the city... Nothing's off limits. Holy Spirit can work miracles. It's better, Jesus said, that I leave you. Can you imagine that? What's better than having Jesus with us? It's better that he goes and sends his spirit to be with us. It's for your benefit that I leave you, he said. And he's left us and given us his spirit. Another thing he does, he enables love and unity amongst us. We are now a diverse, larger group from multitudes of backgrounds across a wide spectrum, but we're joined together because of Jesus. And his spirit enables us to have deep love and respect for one another. Romans 5.5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's love, God's love, 
poured into our hearts through the Spirit. And Psalm 133 speaks of a unity that God blesses so richly, doesn't it? When brothers dwell together in unity and harmony, God pours out rich blessing. That is a unity of the Spirit. And it cannot be kept without Him. And this has big implications that matter a great deal here. We do not tolerate gossip or slander or sorting something out between A and B by going to C and D in the process. We don't conduct our relationships in worldly ways because to do so would be to grieve the Holy Spirit and shut down possibility and potential. And that is terrifying. Um, the next point's going to be very positive. <laughs> Uplifting. Are you ready? But that's, we need to say that. This is us. We do not conduct our relationships in a worldly way, in a fleshly way. God has something higher for us. He wants us to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Therefore, we love one another. We respect one another. We seek forgiveness where it's needed. We put things right quickly. We're going to come around the Lord's table when the children are back. If there's any reason why you're not at one with somebody else here, you need to sort that quickly. Please, do not come to the table with division in the body. It's terrifying. Number nine, he empowers mission. This is, this is my penultimate point. He empowers mission. And that dynamic growth of the early church began with that promise, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He makes us witnesses. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 4? I think this is the last thing we'll look up together. Luke 4, 18. I'm in Mark, that won't help. Luke 4, 18. Hallelujah. One of the other profound things the Holy Spirit's done for me over the years is to give me a love for the lost that I don't think I had initially. And it was reading these verses that stirred something in me. This is what Jesus said of himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to send him into mission. He will fill your heart with a love and a compassion towards family and friends and colleagues that you never knew was possible. He anointed Jesus for mission. He'll do the same for you. Ask him. He'll anoint you with good news to the poor, with freedom, with sight for the blind, with, with, it says in Acts, Acts, um, Acts somewhere, 20, that Jesus went around doing good 
and healing all who were oppressed. He went around doing the good things the Father had prearranged for him. He wants us to do the same. He loves the lost more than you could ever imagine. He's the one who arranges divine appointments. He's the one who moves us with compassion. He's the one who moves us in power. He's the one who leads us to complete the good things he's prepared in advance for us. He's a missionary. And he has the world in view. And he dwells in you. He dwells in you, Ian. He dwells in me. And 2023, it's time to let him reach out through us like never before. I want to say more about that at the end of the month. And in all these things, lastly, he reveals and glorifies Jesus. Put that one up. He glorifies Jesus. Jesus said he will testify about me. He will bring glory to me by taking what's his and, comp- and declaring it to us. The Holy Spirit is not competing with Jesus for our affection. He's always reflecting Jesus to us and drawing us closer to him because he's such a wonderful person. If I could just summarize all this in... (laughs) I'm just going to say as it is. You ready? Unless we're spirit-filled, there's no revelation, no charismatic gifts... No power and dynamic in our gatherings. No ministry in the body. No easy way back from sin. No easy solutions. No miracles, signs and wonders. No unity. No success in mission. And no focus on Jesus. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Better still, saturated. And to pursue all that he has for us. We can't follow Jesus without him. We can't live the Christian life without him. We can't build the church without him. We won't fulfill our vision, our dreams, our goals without him. But as we surrender everything to him, as we allow him to saturate us, drench us, soak us, immerse us, impregnate us in his life and power, he will transform every aspect of our church this year. Amen. Amen. Let's go deeper, friends. Let's do whatever it takes to be filled and to go deeper. Let's be sure this church is a house in which he lives and moves and has his way. And let's enjoy all that he has for us this year. Amen. Amen. Just want to invite you. If you're on board, put the next slide up. If you're on board, if this is your heart, just inviting you to stand and declare, this is us. We're going to bring the children back in. They're going to join us as we break bread together. I don't know whether I've conveyed things quite the way he wanted me to. I hope I have. But I know he wants us to be filled with his spirit. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know he wants us to be saturated, to be drenched, to be impregnated. I know it won't hurt. I know it will bring peace and power and every type of potential and possibility 
may make things more unpredictable. It will make things more unpredictable. But I want to lead you into deeper waters this year. Lord, we declare this is us. This is us, Lord. We want to be your spirit-filled people. We want to be Bible-believing. We want to be kingdom-advancing. But first and foremost, Lord, today, we want to be spirit-filled. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister amongst us in the rest of this gathering, around the table, as we pray for families. Holy Spirit, you will seal something at the start of this year. You will come down upon families at the start of this year. You will drench families in your presence at the start of this year. You will saturate our young people, our youth, our young adults. You will saturate them with your spirit, Lord, to bring your word alive to them, to draw them closer to you, to give them great confidence in who they are, what and who you've made them to be, Lord. Saturate your church in your wonderful presence and power, we pray, Lord. Holy Spirit, we are open to everything you want to do in and amongst us this year. We pray you'll take us from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth in the power of your Spirit. I want to pray for every, every man amongst us who's, who's stretched and growing and, and feels a great expansion in ministry who feels they're here to serve, maybe doesn't know quite how. I pray that, Lord, as, as this year begins, there'll be great clarity comes. How that gift is to be used. How that ministry is to be outworked. Where, that, where that's going to look right, Lord. Where it's going to make sense. I want to pray for everyone who's who'd visiting, Lord, and, and just finding their way and wondering if this is home, that you'd make that so clear this morning, Lord. You'd add people to this body. You'd join people to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.